To all my moms moving on, I have something amazing for you. If you're ready to move on from your engagement ring, the experts at Worthy can help you turn it into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy does all the work and their competitive auctions get you the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on with Worthy. Are you ready to move on too? Visit worthy.com slash moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com slash moms for a special bonus offer just for the Moms Moving On community. This week on Moms Moving On. For anybody who's sitting, you know, and feels that grief so heavy in their chest, and if you're listening and you feel that, you know what I mean, it's like a a weight literally on your chest. What did you do to help relieve you of that weight in that year? You know, when I first set out on a year of grief leave, I had this vision that it was going to be my eat, pray, love year. And that it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to read a grief book on the beach somewhere. And it's going to be like a, a wellness retreat. And right. I'll wear Wham, bam, it. I'm over it. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so excited to have you here today because I also have my friend Rebecca with me. She is just a gem. Rebecca Feingloss, I don't know, if you like Adele, I think this is going to be the girl for you. But before we get into all that, I'll tell you that Rebecca quit her job to take a sabbatical year to grieve. She called this journey Grieve Leave and documented her thoughts on her blog and social media. Through sharing knowledge, advice, and tangible resources and creating a space for others to grieve, Rebecca has expanded Grieve Leave beyond her own personal journey and has grown into a community of thousands. Grief is hard. Grief comes in all shapes and forms. Grief comes after so many different things. Rebecca, I'm so glad you're here with us today to help us unpack it all. Oh, Michelle, I'm so happy to see you again. I love connecting with you. We have so many things in common, um, but I love your podcast. We've connected so much lately. I feel like we just have to make this a thing. I am all about it. And I love, I mean, (laughs) two women who can connect, especially on the grief and pain of divorce and can really like do something beautiful with that. I mean, I just, I love, love everything you're doing. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. I want everybody to hear your story. So just like let her rip. Oh my gosh. Well, let's go. I think First things first. So I'm Rebecca Feingloss. I am the founder of Grieve Leave, um, which as you shared so beautifully, is a community of thousands of folks really globally um, to support each other and learn about what grief and grieving actually is through all different kinds of losses. Um, But the thing is that my life like wasn't always like this. to tell you more about me and who I am, I, I have to start by saying I'm the daughter of Mark and Susan Feingloss. And that's probably not like the average thing that a 34-year-old would give in their bio immediately, like introducing themselves to another person. But mm. for me, I actually had lost both of my parents by the time I was 30. Um, I lost my mother to brain cancer when I was a child And I lost my father very suddenly in 2020, actually on the first day of COVID lockdown. And 
after my father died, um, a lot of things were reset for me in my life and like what I wanted to do, how I wanted to take care of my own well-being. And it forced me to really confront a lot of different things in my life. One of those things that I confronted was that I was actually really unhappy in my marriage. And um, isn't it that isn't it funny how like, me. yeah, certain things will just spark the sense of knowing in you that totally. you just can't ignore at all. And like, it's maybe it's the flip side, like the beautiful side of loss is that when we lose someone we love or when we have a big change in our lives, it can help us reset our thinking around actually our happiness and our overall balance and our well-being. And for me, you know, I was 30 with two dead parents. I had this moment of just being like, damn, no one's going to take care of me except for me. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And I had to realign a lot of things in my life. Um, but a year after my dad passed, I chose to end my marriage. It was the best decision that I ever made. Um, probably that. And then leaving my job a year later to take a leaving all sabbatical. The Starting fresh. <laughs> it was, a, it was, you know, I can't say that I'd recommend to everybody in the world that they should quit their job to go grieve for a year. But for me, I was just, Michelle, I was just exhausted. Yeah. I was exhausted. I had the grief from losing both of my parents, the grief of the end of a marriage, even though it was my choice. Like there's still grief in that. We're going to talk about that, how we are all entitled to still grieve, even if it is our choice, but continue. Well, I think the big key idea is that I left a career that I loved in government and education that I'd worked really hard for. I know both of us were teachers in our lives, but I'd worked my way up in a, a career I really loved. And with all of this grief compounding in my life, I didn't really have the vocabulary for it. I don't I don't think I knew how to face any of that grief. Our society incentivizes people to put their heads down and like get to work and oh, be yeah. resilient. No, and yeah. I just I felt so overwhelmed at the end of 2021 that I knew I had to do something and I felt like my grief had something to do with it and I decided to leave my job. And spend a whole year learning about what grief and grieving actually is. And I wrote about it in a blog. I called it Grieve Leave because that rhymes and that's fun. Uh, (laughs) And it's the former kindergarten teacher in me, I guess. Um, And just in case, you know, I, I had a feeling that writing about my experience of learning what grief and grieving was every single day might resonate with someone else. It turned out that it did. Um, And I have so many stories from that year, but today I founded a whole organization that's dedicated to helping other people through their grief too. And um, all different kinds of grief, death. Well, it's incredible to see because I think grief is, you know, depending on what you're grieving, grief can really be like a universal um, connector, right? It's like, this is why they have support groups. And this is why people sit in circles with their feelings. But I think on this level, in this way, in a world where we are all plugged into the internet to solve all of our problems, like this is such powerful stuff. But I want to go back to that moment, you know, because some might think that when you're struggling the most, you're going to hold on to your marriage. But you realized mm. after the death of your father, 
that you had to let go of it. What was that like shift like for you? What was, what did you realize in that time? Yeah. So my father was my best friend. He was my anchor. He was everything to me. And I, I mean, I talked on the phone with my father every single day and I, having lost my mother so young, my father and I became very, very close and losing him so suddenly, so suddenly, plus COVID falling at the exact same time. My dad died on March 14th, 2020. Day one. Day one. Yeah. And I, I was in the last phone call that I had with him is I was going into our, our governor's office to work with our team to shut down schools. That was what I was called in to do that day. And I phoned my dad as I was driving in and said, guess what I'm going to go do today? Like this COVID thing's really a big deal. And my dad told me he loved me and said he was so proud. And that was incredible that I was going to go support the state in that. And two hours, he was dead. Oh my God. I can't even. Yeah. It it was insane. And so, you know, I took a month off work and I dove headfirst back into work. And then was in lockdown with my ex and between not having my father there as that anchor for me, as, as my other person in my life and having work being so consuming and being in lockdown with this person really forced me to wrestle with this, this marriage isn't working. It hasn't been working. Mm -hmm. And it was losing my dad was that big loss. That was the big reframe in my mind. It was this sense of responsibility for my own well-being that I felt like no one else was going to fix this for me. I had I to make it. sure that, you know, I was taking care of myself and there was no, like this marriage that I'd worked really hard for, for years, I had to confront the fact that it it really wasn't working. And that was okay, that I could still take care of me. I had to take care of me. And so I chose to end it. But it was my dad's death that was the reframe for me. It feels like that had to happen first. Yeah. It's, 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 that's really interesting. And it's so, it makes so much sense. You know, I think from the, you were, had this pain and then you were sitting with it in COVID. And so everything else just amplified. I mean, there's a reason why divorce rates spiked so high that first year of COVID because people were forced to like sit in their misery with somebody and And like wrestle with it and like recognize it and not just pretend like it wasn't happening. I couldn't pretend anymore. And I wanted, I really wanted that marriage to work. I had such a strong vision for it. And, you know, we both worked really, really hard and it is the best choice that I ever made. And it is so funny how loss in our lives can reset our thinking on our own well-being. Yeah. Um, and it's it can be a beautiful thing. It was for me, ultimately. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, 
shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. So you inevitably took a whole year off of life to just like (laughs) be with your feelings, like feel them, go through them. What did that look like for you? Because for anybody who's sitting, you know, and feels that grief so heavy in their chest. And if you're listening and you feel that, you know what I mean? It's like a, a weight literally on your chest. What did you do to help relieve you of that weight in that year? You know, when I first set out on a year of grief leave, I had this vision that it was going to be my eat, pray, love year. And that it was going to be like, oh, I'm going to read a grief book on the beach somewhere. And it's going to be like a a wellness retreat and I'll wear bam, I'm over it. And I'm over it. And I thought that I thought the year was going to be about all of this travel and And while that partially is true, I did spend much of the year traveling. The year was not at all luxurious. I like, I spent a lot of the year crying, like sitting in those feelings that I had been so scared to actually confront. I'd never been alone, really. I'd never lived alone before. I had never spent that much time by myself. And so much of my year of grieve leave, of doing something to grieve every single day, whether that was a big thing or a small thing, so much of that was just about like accepting the feelings that I had, the scary ones, the really sad ones, the ones that questioned my own self-worth and looking at those feelings and wrestling with them and letting them out through all different kinds of of, of ways. I can tell you a million in one ways, but it was, that's what it was about. Yeah. But we have to, we have to hear some of those ways because I think for women in particular, when you're leaving a marriage and you have that sense of grief, number one, you, you, you're scared to be alone with your feelings. I was somebody who was always like on the run, like could not sit still because I never wanted to have to confront how I actually felt until I got divorced. And I realized, okay, I have a two-year-old now and I can't be like, running away from my feelings and like throwing myself at somebody new just to escape how I feel inside. Right. But then the other part of that is like, if I leave my marriage, because that's the best choice for me and I choose to grieve, everyone's going to say, well, then why'd you leave? Why did you even go if it's so hard for you? And that's, I think one of the most challenging things women deal with when they choose to leave a marriage. Mm, That it seems like it would be easier to just stick it out. Is that right? Is that like, what you're saying? Like, yeah. oh, single mom, single motherhood is hard. Should have stayed. You know, yeah. you're you're sad that the marriage is over. Should have stayed. Should have like, stayed. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's, we get. It's so true. And I'm I'm sure there are folks who are listening in right now and who are weighing like the should I stay or should I go, or who are weighing those feelings of regret, which I would argue are, are feelings of grief after you do choose to end a marriage of this you know, did I make the right choice? Because I feel so terrible now. Yeah. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. You look back and you're like, oh, was it really that bad? It, it was, right? But you have to confront those feelings of grief after you choose to end something. You have to work through all of that pain. For me, working through the grief of my divorce through grief leave, that looked in part like going through old photos of me and my ex that I didn't touch 
for over a year, they just, they sat on my phone or they were like printed out in my condo or in boxes. I couldn't deal with it until that year. One of the things I spent months going through in some kind of a ritual like thing every day, scrolling through my Facebook memories, looking at each photo. That's painful. But it had to be done. I didn't want the photos there anymore. For me, I didn't want the reminders anymore. Right. right. Because they represented almost an image of a a partnership that I projected to the world that wasn't true. But the grieving part Mm -hmm. was right. The grieving part of that was actually like sitting there to look at the photos and cry or feel anger or feel regret or feel frustrated with myself that I stayed for as long as I did. And I had to sit with it. That That is one thing that I did during grief leave. I looked through a lot of photos. I threw away a lot of photos and it was so hard and also so freeing. That's what grieving is. It's yeah. taking the time to sit with it and we feel better after. Listen, sometimes those Facebook memories, I'll tell you one one app I had to disable when I was, this was six years ago, and I don't know if people even still use it, Time Hop. Do, oh, yeah. I mean, it was like an assault on my emotions. Totally. Every morning, like, oh, your memory is here. And I'm like on the beach on my honeymoon with my ex-husband. And I'm like, no, totally. I don't want to see that totally. right now. Every single day, even today, I did it this morning. I look at my Facebook memories and I look through them and I delete anything that I don't want to see again next year that I may have missed. It's really painful, but it is also so important. Like it's okay that it's painful. It's not, I'm not the thing that I've been working through in my own grief and in my year of grief leave. And now that I'm not on leave and I'm just trying to grieve every single day in my normal life now as a founder of an organization, it is okay. Whatever the feeling is that's coming up, I'm not going to beat myself up for it. It's that sense of acceptance of whatever my griefy feelings are, just to know that I'm not alone in those feelings and that those feelings are okay. I think that's something that we as women, we don't hear enough. And men too. Like We don't hear yeah. enough that our feelings are okay, whatever they are. We judge yeah, ourselves you know, for them. It's it's good you bring up the men because as I'm you know growing more and more in my practice, coaching parents, I'm working with a lot more men. Who And I'm starting to understand how they carry their grief. And so many of them carry it as anger because they were taught, you know, boys don't cry, like, you know, be tough. And so they carry it as anger, which then the women on the other side of that perceive as he's an asshole. He's high complex. It's scary when all this person really has is just a lot of feelings they don't know how to work through. And I see both sides of it now. And it's, it's given me such great perspective, but like, you know, men need the space to feel and grieve also. And I don't feel as much as women don't get it, they get it that much less. Oh, totally. You know, something you brought up earlier, you were talking about grief support groups and you mentioned just kind of in passing, like, yes, we, we, a traditional grief support group is structured where we would sit around in a circle and talk to each other. One of the reasons that I founded Grieve Leave is because I was so dissatisfied with the grief supports that are available, particularly here in the South and North Carolina. Like I I went to grief support groups 
And first of all, I was the youngest person there by decades, every single time. They were always held in a church basement somewhere on like a Tuesday at four. And you're a Jewish girl. And I'm a Jewish girl. Um, And for me, and and there were always, it was like 90% women who were there. And so one of the things that we want to do with Grieve Leave and we are doing is we're reinventing this whole idea of what grief support looks like, that it can be inclusive of men and women, that we can get together virtually or in person at places like coffee shops or at bars even, and just connect with each other in our grief, whether that is grief from deaths of parents or spouses or a pregnancy loss, or it is grieving a breakup. When we come together and talk about it, like that is game changing for people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where this idea came to be that like, I don't know if it's society or like how it's pictured in the movies. You know, you see in a movie, a a couple gets divorced and the woman is home crying and the guy's out like at a club meeting new women. And that's so Mm. not reality for so many people. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. I digress. I want to hear some of your release the grief practices that work for you personally, because I think there's a fine line between like indulging it too much um, or maybe indulging it with the wrong things, right? Like four bottles of wine every night may be too much, right? Maybe, but a glass of wine and a bubble bath may feel really good. So like, what, what is it? What are the things? Here are the practices that have been really game changing for me. And this, something you said earlier that really resonated. I had been a very nonstop person, never wanted to sit still ever, threw myself into work, avoided feelings at all costs. I thought wellness and self-care practices were for other people. Yeah. And it wasn't until grave leave that I was like, no, thanks. Oh, mm-hmm. I actually, I think I need some of that. Yoga changed my life, hands down. And I never thought that yoga would be something that was a part of my daily or weekly routine in life. Yoga and how I process my grief go hand in hand of just making space and time to sit, even if it's just in like, child's pose or even crisscross applesauce on the floor for five minutes with a glass of tea, maybe in the morning, a cup of tea. That practice is essential for me now. And I never, ever, ever used to sit still. It was too scary. I didn't want to be alone with those thoughts. Yoga started for me. My therapist convinced me to try it after my dad died. And it was game changing. So many people have tried to convince me. And I, and I, so I am a big believer in moving your body to release stress, pain, whatever it is. I'm like a, if I'm stressed out at the end of the day, I need to put on my sneakers and leave the house immediately and go for a walk. I exercise many, many times a week, both, you know, for my health and, you know, physical appearance along with my mental, but yoga, like everyone who talks about it, I feel like such a loser for not getting into it. You're not, for to it. you're not a loser. Oh, no, all. but like <laughs> there's this thing, there's this thing right there on every corner in Miami where I live called changing. yoga that everyone's doing to feel good. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll go for a walk. I have a, well, first of all, going for a walk is also so great. Thank and you love for validating that. that for oh me. Oh my Thank gosh. You. First of all, whatever <laughs> works for you, like I hope everyone who's listening whatever works for you and helps make space for your grief and for your feelings, whatever those feelings are, if that is going for a walk, yay. If that is weightlifting, like powerlifting, yay. If that is 
having a glass of wine with girlfriends and sitting around and talking about how you feel, great. But giving yourself that intentional space to feel whatever it is that you feel, that's the important part. But I I will give one caveat because what you're saying resonates for me so much, Michelle, is like I used to be so focused on exercise as a very productive thing that I could do to get my feelings out. I always had to be doing something. Mm. And the game changer for me was actually doing a little bit less for just a few moments a day and getting quiet and actually letting my feelings ruminate. If we're going to talk health and all of that, there's there's something to that, especially, I don't know how old you are now, but you're definitely younger than Oh, me, I just turned 34. It was just my birthday last Baby week. girl, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm Thank turning so 40 much. this year and things are changing. And as I'm learning with hormones, because I just went down this like um, functional medicine rabbit hole that I'm now obsessed cool. with, as I'm learning That's with awesome. hormones, doing less is better for your body. Because when we're constantly working out and we're constantly on the go, we're spiking that cortisol and our body is like trying to keep up and it's sends your hormones like for a roller coaster ride that they don't need. So there is totally something to There's this. something gonna, there. Maybe yeah. I'll try yoga now. But that that was one of the biggest realizations that I had in that year of grief leave was I took so much quiet alone time. I went on a road trip alone. I guess my dogs were there, right? But I went on a road trip alone across the country. I was by myself, completely by myself for so many hours a day before I you know, get to a hotel and stop somewhere. I'd be alone in the middle of the desert. I drove to Tucson, Arizona, which was a special place for my family growing up. And I drove from North Carolina there and back. That oh alone time and that quiet time was life-changing for me. So I'd say like, the quiet in our grief is so important. But the flip side to that is we really need community too. And grief leave is all about just, that connection. But I was going to ask you something about your community. I'm so glad Ooh, tell you're, me. you're bringing that up. Well, so for a lot of people, women, we carry this resentment when we're going through a divorce and we're grieving and our friends just don't get it. Mm. So you grieved on a whole nother level. Like you said, excuse me, I'm checking out of life for a year. How did you come to terms with the fact that like this was truly a solo journey and that your friends not understanding or being there for you in the way that you needed them like wasn't personal? Like how did you, because it feels very personal when you're really hurt, when you're hurting and your friends aren't there in the trenches with you. So how huh. how did that feel for you? But you know, so I think for me personally, my friends were incredibly supportive of what I was doing. I think like everyone in my life that I keep close to me, was very much cheering for me along the way. And people were very much in support of the fact that I needed to take time and figure my stuff out. But I know that's not true for everyone. And so many people feel so isolated and alone when they're grieving. For me, I was very grateful for my girlfriends in particular when I was getting divorced because they just came to my my support via text, via phone calls, getting together. My friends just were there. And I know that is too often not how people feel when they're grieving. But right. I really, I let people in and I'm grateful that I did. 
And I balanced that out throughout the year of also recognizing that like as supportive as my friends were, there was self-work that I needed to do. And I needed to wrestle with maybe these deep-seated internal feelings of not feeling like I was enough. Yeah. And I had to sit with that all year. And I'm still sitting with that now. But my friends were absolutely by my side, at least virtually, along the whole journey. Well, I love that for you. I think that's <laughs> that's really, really special and a testament to the person that you are. Well, we can't wrap up without you sharing your quick Adele Perfect story. segue. Um, yeah. Your claim to fame on social media is this connection you had with Adele in the throes of your divorce. So I'd love for you to share that. You are the best. Um, Okay. So speaking of my friends, when I chose to end my marriage, I think there were a lot of societal messages coming at me that were telling me I was a failure. And I think too many of us feel that way when we choose to get divorced. And particularly for me, I was 31 when I decided to end my marriage. So I was the first of my friends to get married and the first of my friends to get divorced. Same. Girl and same. I, I was going to say, I know that is true for you too. And there were deep feelings of shame that hit me at first. And it was through the support of my friends that I started to feel better. And by the end of my year of grieve leave, my really um, tumultuous legal process of getting divorced was finally coming to an end. And frankly, I wanted to celebrate. And grieving doesn't always have to look sad and grieving doesn't always have to look like crying, though that's an important part of the grieving process. Grieving can also look like celebrating and bringing people together. And I chose to have a divorce party as a bookend of my year of grieve leave. What better place to have a divorce party than Las Vegas? And (laughs) (laughs) and I brought all of my girlfriends together because I wanted to really thank them for the support that they gave me through the grief of my divorce and that process. And we went to Vegas to see another woman who got me through my divorce, which was Adele. Her album 30 was all about her divorce and it happened to come out literally when I separated from my ex. So that album meant the absolute world to me. And so my girlfriends and I, we went to Las Vegas. We saw Adele live um, at her residency. Adele saw that we were a divorce party and connected with us in the audience and in that moment when she was talking to us and crying on stage, it was this incredible moment of connection of just two women who get the pain and grief that come with divorce. And we let those feelings sit with us and we turn them into our superpower. That's what Adele did. That's what I'm trying to do with grieve leave and my divorce. And I posted about that experience of interacting with Adele online and it resonated with people all over because so many of us, we feel like the world is telling us we're a failure for ending our marriages. And we know, we know we are not a failure. We can turn that into strength. And I loved every minute of that experience. It was incredible. Unforgettable, I'm sure. Well, for those of you listening, 
If you can't have your Adele moment, please at least check out grieveleave.com. Learn all the ways that Rebecca and her team can support you as you are grieving, whatever it is that you are grieving, because anything that is a hard change in your life is worthy of your time and attention to heal from. So I encourage you, check it all out. Uh, Rebecca, if people want to get in touch with you directly, where can they find you? I'm so easy to find online. You can follow us at Grieveleave. You can follow me at our fine gloss and you can email us at hello at grieveleave.com and that'll come straight to me. Love it. Thank Thank you you. everybody for listening. Of course. And we'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Maltak, certified divorce and co-parenting specialist, and I founded the moving on method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.